www.disneytimepodcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Time Podcast. I'm your host, Micah, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Nelson. Hello. And Rissa. Hello. Hey, guys, how's it going today? Doing all right. Yeah, doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing well, doing well. Still at home, just like you guys. <laughs> I actually got uh, the okay to start working, like going to my office again, so I'll be doing that tomorrow. Wow. You uh, looking forward to that or? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back to the commute. You didn't, you didn't like that, huh? Yeah, that's the part of what I don't like. I'll be missing my five second commute from my bed to my living room. I just know myself and I just rather be more productive. So <laughs> the office environment is better for me personally. <laughs> Makes sense. That's starting to happen again, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're starting to, you know, open up slowly. But I'm still obviously being cautious about everything. Yeah. Do you guys have any opinions on the reopenings of, of Disney? Because, I mean, it seems like even Florida is starting to get a really big spike. Yeah. I'm still cautiously optimistic. I have faith in Disney. It's just everybody else that I don't have faith in. <laughs> so Disney can do their best, but I don't know how much they can really control in regards to people following the rules and whatever, if they're actually going to kick people out or how strict they'll be in terms of enforcing. What do you think, Nelson? Do you think people are going to follow rules? or do you... Actually, I've seen like people are getting mad because a lot of people are AP holders and they're not really honoring what they paid for, you know? So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I see angles from both sides where... I, I understand for Disney as a company, obviously everyone wants to not be in the red anymore. Right. <laughs> so obviously reopening the parks is, it's a big money maker. So of course, that's what they're all wanting and hoping to do. But also from a safety standpoint, I mean, there's still no vaccine. There's still no cure yet. So it's just a risk in and of itself. I see it from both sides. And I mean, in all honesty, for Disneyland, um, I was looking and seeing an article saying that like the union workers are having their own protests of not even they're wanting Disney to delay the reopening. I mean, it makes sense. It does. It's scary for them. Like a lot of these workers are. It's probably already been hard for them to not be at work, but there's people that they have to look after and take care of, and they're putting their families at risk. They're turning into frontline workers when they originally were not, right? Right. And yeah. and the crazy thing about it is their parks are not an essential business. It's not like it's helping, you know. It's definitely a great place to blow off steam or whatever and enjoy and have fun with your family. But at what expense is, you know, exactly. the stakes are pretty high here. Like we're talking about lives. Yeah. Like how many lives are going to be affected by getting potentially ill from the virus, right? Right. And since it's such a big tourist attraction, like people are coming from everywhere. So it, it's a matter of are they going to quarantine after they return from their vacation? What's going to happen? Yeah, definitely. Some other parks and stuff are already open. So I guess Disney can look at their those uh, other park experiences. But 
it's still a risk. Everything's a risk. <laughs> I saw some things about Universal where a lot of people are not are not even wearing masks at yeah, their park. I saw that so too. I'm really hoping that Disney cracks down on that and they really enforce it because then it will make me feel safer to actually go. Yeah, that's going to be something to look out for. All right. So on today's episode, we are closing out the Unpacking the Pixar Theory trilogy episodes that we went through. So today's episode, we're going to look at where do we go from here? There were some latest movies that were not included in the original theory, and we're going to look at how they're going to fit in. We already took a look at Coco, so we're going to look at Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4, Onward, and then what we think about Soul, since that hasn't come out yet. Let's start with Incredibles 2. Rizzo, what's your opinion? What do you think about Incredibles 2? How does it fit in? Honestly, I feel like it's going to fit in the same way that Finding Dory fits in where it doesn't really change much of the story since Incredibles 2 picks up right after Incredibles. Even though there's such a big gap, the only change with Incredibles 2 is the way that the family dynamics, you know, in the story is, where instead of Mr. Incredible going off and doing his thing, it's Mrs. Incredible. So I don't really see it changing the story at all, or the theory. What about you, Nelson? Do you, do you see it bolstering the theory at all? No, not at all. I think it's similar to what I was saying about, uh, yeah, Finding Dory also. Yeah, I'll agree that it doesn't add anything. It doesn't introduce anything new, I feel. It's just another side story, kind of like Dory's origin story. It doesn't add anything. So I don't think this movie was necessary. Okay. Well, I think it was necessary as a movie, but not to the theory. Yeah, it's just like a... An additional thing that they have just to be there. <laughs> yeah. I think it might bolster the theory in, in uh, the way that they used machines to control humans again. That is an interesting part. Yeah. Right? Like the quote unquote bad guy was using the machines to... Well... Like the TV. With hypnosis. You know? Yeah. Using the hypnosis, but through the use of technology. And she even invented the goggles and, you know, you see computing starting to be... Like computers starting to, to come in here. So I think that might boost the theory a bit there. So you think that the machine was sort of an early attempt at AI and controlling the masses? Yeah, kind of like that. Where, you know. Since it was set in the 1950s or the alternate 1950s, 60s. Right, right. The first movie, you see technology coming into play where it's used as a weapon and zero point, you know, the zero point energy and whatnot. But this time you see where it can control the masses using hypnosis and technology that is generally used to control the masses i.e media <laughs> right know? so you know because they were using it again to show that hey the supers are whatever you know but they were trying yeah. to, they were also trying to show that the supers are actually good but then they used it to control people so it's like okay <laughs> yeah but then this calls into question like what happens to supers still it doesn't really answer that yeah like what happened to them where where'd they go yeah. Other than they went, they disappeared. I mean, like, they went hiding or whatever. Right. My problem with it is it doesn't explain in the Pixar theory why supers weren't still happening. Right. And like, why supers were not involved in the fight against the animals. Yeah, exactly. Like, what happened there? Shouldn't they be aiding humanity, right? Right. Yeah. They'd probably be the best thing to fight against the uprising. Exactly. And, and at that point, you wouldn't have to rely on the machines, right? Right. So. Exactly. So it's like they might have intermingled with regular humans and the genes just died off. I don't know. But I don't know. 
you know, mixing a super and a human could still result in a super, supposedly. So Yeah, it could be a recessive gene or a dominant gene. We don't know. But if you look at Jack-Jack, they thought he didn't have powers, but he did. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I wonder how John Negroni addresses it. So we should see in the book, but I don't know. They haven't released the book yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move to Toy Story 4 because I believe this one... They actually used it to try to debunk this theory. So, Risa, what do you think about Toy Story 4? Honestly, I I don't know how he's going to explain Toy Story 4. Because the producers from Toy Story 4 actually talked about how they tried to purposely mess up the Pixar theory. In a scene within Toy Story 4, there's Bonnie's mom reading a book that's a jab at the Pixar theory. It's like debunking the unifying theory. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was yeah. wondering about that book. That's an Easter egg within the movie. Wow. So it's just like, boom. Pretty much a, a direct jab. Yeah. <laughs> In your yeah. face, John. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the, the fact of, what's her name? Gabby. The, Gabby, is it Gabby Gabby? Gabby Gabby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Gabby Gabby is a toy that wasn't loved, right, at all. And she wasn't in the presence of humans. So her existence doesn't really show how the theory works because essentially in the theory, toys are able to become sentient because of the fact that they're around humans and they absorb human love and human energy. But Gabby Gabby doesn't do any of that, but she's still sentient. So it's like, what energy is she drawing from, right? Right. If anything, it would have been hate. Yeah. Oh, but but that wouldn't be... It, like who from where who, yeah exactly who's given <laughs> like the hate? how did how did she get the hate within her it seemed like she was sentient herself like she had that already you know she was yeah. able to feel things like anger toward humans right and resentment it doesn't really make sense exactly like that doesn't fit the theory no it doesn't what do you think nelson on toy story 4 so ignoring even what the leads and heads over at pixar were saying in this interview Again, I just felt like Toy Story 4 as a movie wasn't necessary. Yeah. And I personally think it doesn't add anything more to, say, the Pixar theory. And yeah, I don't think John... Well, obviously, we don't really know what he would have added to the theory here because he hasn't released that book. But I don't see really much of anything that would add to the theory. It's just another unnecessary sequel in my eyes yeah i have to agree with you guys there uh, toy story 4 they should have just ended it with three i don't, I don't know about four here because it's just we have that whole the whole review you know <laughs> yeah right. i think the biggest kicker for toy story 4 is the existence of forky though ah yeah yeah he's just a fork <laughs> yeah that was turned into a toy or a spork spork yeah it was, was a spork yeah that turned into a toy yeah yeah I mean, maybe he'll use that to bolster his theory just because of the fact that Forky was able to exist because of Bonnie's love and That's true, the though. importance of it. But there's other factors within the movie that kind of make me skeptical at this point. Okay. All right. Yeah, we, we'll get into that when we talk about the naysayers, right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that was uh, that's Toy Story 4. We just have to see what he's going to say in his book because they really took a jab at him there, so... Let's move on to Onward. This one, he actually, John Negroni actually put out an article on the Pixar theory, how Onward fits. Nelson, you want to go into that one? Well, I will attempt to. All right. So 
essentially what John has put together his theory here for Onward is it takes place post Wally and pre Monsters. So there's that time period where it takes centuries until there's no humans on the planet anymore. So his evidence being because as shown in the world of Onward, there's literally no humans. The only thing there are like mythical creatures that are more on par with say like Dungeons and Dragons. So there's elves, there's dragons, there's centaurs. And what John was thinking is that these essentially predated or their predecessors into monsters. Obviously, in the world of Onward, there's magic. So that's like flat out magic. It was proven in the movie that only even certain people have the quote unquote the gift. And so the theory is that, you know, magic is slowly dwindling away so that's why when they quote unquote evolve like later on into the monsters of monsters inc there's literally no more that's why they had to develop the technology to go back to get their energy through emotions so that's the connecting timeline wise of when onward happens it's pretty interesting that yeah yeah where where onward has the magic that they were talking about even in brave right the the will of the wisps Mm -hmm. and it's like you know a nod to the past where they have the access to the magic what do you think about it i think it's an interesting spin on it i'm really interested to see what his book says in regards to onward because there is that second moon in the sky i don't really understand how he can explain how these mythical creatures and early elves and whatnot still exist on earth if this is in fact earth because supposedly they all of the humans were taken away you know on wally onto the axiom i just don't understand how how it fits on earth having watched onward it, to me it doesn't really work because of the way and the lore of the actual movie yeah i have to agree with you there it's like because the lore of the Onward movie, it's like the way that they described it is there was in the past, the mythical creatures relied on the magic. And then in the future, they just developed new technology, kind of like what happened with Europe. You know, like right. they, they were back in the, the old ages, like Merida's time, they didn't really have technology. And then they started developing technology. It's just like, right. that's what it seemed like. Except it yeah. was with mythical creatures instead of humans. So right. it's just like, how do you connect it? I don't know. That's yeah. you're going to have to see. Because to me, it, it doesn't really fit in the Pixar theory because of the fact that it's just an evolution of society and their society of elves. Because they're, they're literal elven creatures and like ogres and different types of mythical beings. So I don't really understand how he can explain it other than saying that they're precursors to monsters and sort of radiation type humans but you know it doesn't make any sense why would the humans having been exposed to radiation revert back to the 10th century with magic and whatever when they already had all of this technology and where did all of the pollution go right yeah the earth is back to lush and green and all that right. stuff. right so what happened there it doesn't make any sense because like the whole entire landscape of onward it's this really fantastical animation where it doesn't really fit wally's landscape of where wally 
is basically the only trash thing left. Unless he's saying that the big humans that had all of this technology from the Axiom reverted because of radiation and cleaned up the earth and then went to magic. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's very interesting. Do you have any thoughts on it, Nelson? I mean, personally, I feel like this movie in general also kind of was <laughs> overall general purpose of also kind of just debunking the Pixar theory. Right. A big chunk of it purposely just this does not fit at all. <laughs> it's like, trying take to that, purposely take that, John Negroni. <laughs> yeah, it's like purposely trying to debunk. Because, yeah, I, I personally can't see any connections here. Yeah, this one is a bit of a stretch. He makes some reasonable connections, but still, I agree. It's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. It's kind of like two moons. Okay. You know, mythical creatures. Okay. Try to explain that, John. You know? <laughs> yeah. I could see him possibly linking some product placement throughout. But again, if you're saying this is post Wally, it doesn't really fit. Like, why would those brandings be in the brothers' time? It doesn't make any sense. Like the, the companies. Did they throw in by and large? BNL? I think they throw in by and large and then they throw in the Dynaco? gum. Oh, the, okay. The gum from, um, was it Triple Dent or something like that? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like that. Uh... In Inside Out. Yeah. yeah. So the timeline doesn't really match because you would think at that point there's no more companies. Right. Like where did they come from? Like how, how did that happen again? Yeah. Unless they're trying to go back to the past and then they, these guys actually develop themselves again. You know. Yeah. I don't know. We'll just have to see how John uh, explains that. So Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, this article that we're kind of referencing, it's incomplete because even John notes at the very bottom, like, there's still more to figure out. And he even admits regarding the two moons, like you were saying earlier, Rissa. Yeah. He says he has a few theories behind it, but yeah, he still needs to finalize his thoughts about it. So What, did the axiom hit the moon and it <laughs> split in half? It's actually the same moon. It could be. Yeah. We'll, we'll just have to wait till he releases the book. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, buy my book. I'm going to explain it. Okay. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, um, that was onward. So there's still another movie hasn't come out yet, but we have seen a trailer and they did talk about it a little bit at D23 Expo, which we were last year uh, in 2019 that we got to actually be in the panel when they talked about it so the movie is soul and that's upcoming this year so rissa what do you think about soul how it fits so i think soul is another way that he can explain human emotion and magic in that way because it's basically where inside out is about the mind and emotion soul is about the inner soul of somebody right it's right. it's who they are and who how they exist so I think he can use this one to further explain magic and delve deeper into where magic comes from. We don't know enough about the U University or the Soul World in the movie because we haven't watched it yet. But from what we do know, it's an interesting way that Pixar is taking the thought of what the essence of a human being is and it's their soul, you know, combined with their, their body and their mind. Yeah, another interesting take kind of like what they did with Inside Out with the emotions, you know? Right. So do you have any opinion how it would fit in, Nelson? Well, the only th obvious thing I can think of it fitting in timeline-wise would be, obviously, humans are still on the Earth. Jamie Foxx's character, I forget if they provided a name. I don't remember. 
I think they did. I just forgot his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just know Jamie Foxx is voicing him. But it's part of our world that we know. At least that's how I kind of see it. Because from the trailer, it's explained how he's an aspiring musician, yet he still has a an actual job of being a teacher. But what he truly wants to do is play jazz. So, right. I mean, that's something we can all at least relate to in, in the fact that we know what jazz is. Yeah. So... Yeah, I feel like, yes, this probably timeline-wise, it may be around even the time of, yeah, where humans are on the planet. Yeah. It could probably also fit around Coco's time, too. Right, right. So this one also has, like, a musical aspect in how music is tied to the soul and who a person is. So I, I think, similar to Coco, he can tie, you know, the land of the dead and, and soul all together rolled in one. So this one might actually help his theory more. As opposed to Onward that, you know, would send them <laughs> on a defensive type of way. Yeah, Onward sent him on a magical quest. <laughs> <laughs> right. To explain his theory. <laughs> Scouring the movie, just trying to find ways to connect it. <laughs> yeah, this one, or Onward, I could see being a pretty difficult one to try and connect. Because, yeah, like I said earlier, I personally don't see anything. So I feel like he might be forcing it. Yeah. I think that he can have an easier way with Soul just based on what we know from the trailer and from the panel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree because we already kind of see the emotions from Inside Out and now we get to see the Soul. So it's kind of on the same lines here. I saw this little theory about like maybe Tina Fey's character actually is Riley. You know, I was like, what? Maybe not. <laughs> you know? Uh, that's kind of a bit of a stretch yeah yeah just because of what we know about tina fey's character i don't really see it fitting riley because riley goes through a deep depression yeah yeah like exactly. we're actually watching somebody go through depression in inside out so yeah i don't think that that works maybe bonnie yeah i mean could be could be somebody where maybe it's just you know somebody we don't know and we don't right or Tina Fey's character actually finds the body she's supposed to be in, in the mm -hmm. movie. We don't know that yeah. either. Maybe it's Boo. Who knows? We'll find out when they actually release the movie. What happens Tina to Tina Fey is the witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be really interesting. All right. So um, next, let's talk about the key naysayers, since there were quite a few actual people from Pixar who tried to debunk the theory. So uh, let's start with Mark Nielsen, the Toy Story 4 producer. He did an, an interview with ScreenCrush.com. Rissa, what did he have to say about this? He basically outlined things within the movie that they tried to highlight to just shut it down, shut down the Pixar theory. And one of them is like I, I mentioned, they poked a hole in um, Bonnie's mom was reading a book called Debunking the Crazy Theory of a Shared Universe. So that was them trying to poke fun and, and say, you know, this is ridiculous. We know that, you know, some people have really strong feelings about this theory, but we're saying it's not a thing. Okay. So he has like a really strong opinion on this saying that it's ridiculous. You know, we're not purposely connecting these things. It's just so happens to feel like that because of the fact that they reuse scenes, they reuse sets, they put Easter eggs in there and it just changes into something right what do you think uh nelson about him uh, trying to debunk this i just see this as like straight up truth now this is direct from ahead in pixar 
So they're flat out saying that, no, this Pixar theory is not true. That's evident it's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like we're not really trying to unify things here, you know? He said it himself, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also in the Blu-ray commentary, him and Josh Cooley were talking about how they put a whole bunch of Easter eggs in the antique shop just right. to purposely destroy the Pixar theory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. They threw in a bunch of stuff in there, huh? In the antiques. Mm-hmm. They did, Um, I think Carl and Ellie's the grape soda pin was right. in there. Yeah. The PJ's, like, PJ's pop. Yeah. That one was in Bugs Life. That was in there too. Yeah, they just threw in a lot of different things within the actual antique shop to mess around with them. Yeah, another thing is that the address number at the antique shop number 1200, which is the same as Pixar's address, 1200 Park Avenue in Emeryville. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the group of toys inside the pinball machine, like Tin Toy was in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, he's there now. <laughs> yeah, they threw a bunch of stuff in there. Okay, so there's another key naysayer. We've got Pete Doctor and Ronnie Del Carmen. And Pete Doctor, he's, he's pretty legendary with Pixar. What did he have to say, Rissa? Yeah, so this one was from 2015. And he said that for him, the theory kind of breaks his brain. And he believes that they're in very different universes and they don't cross over. And then Del Carmen basically said that, yeah, they don't have a company meeting saying that at the time John Lasseter was still the CCO, saying that I want to make all our movies connected. Don't pitch me anything that isn't. So no, unless they're crazy geniuses, it's not a thing. Like they just have Easter eggs that translate over and they reuse sets. They reuse character models because it's cheaper and quicker that way. Yeah, efficiency really is key, you know, like they want to save time and money, right? Yeah, but Pete Doctor also said, if you want to imagine that they're connected, he doesn't want to stop people from doing it. What do you think, Nelson? I don't really have a a further opinion here. It's pretty much the same when we were talked about Mark Nielsen earlier. Right. It's just further ammo. This is Pete Doctor here. (laughs) I know, right? That's He's a legend. (laughs) Even direct from him, he's saying, no, this theory is not a thing. Or yeah. it is a thing, like it exists, it's but it, it's not true. Yeah, they're basically the heads of Pixar telling people, guys, come on. Like, yeah, like It's interesting, yeah, it's a great brain exercise, but we didn't purposely do this. The theory is not real. Right, they didn't do that on purpose, like it wasn't their thing. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next naysayer. We've got Bob Show, a YouTuber, Bob Show. What did you think about his debunking the Pixar theory, Rissa? He goes into so much detail. He goes like movie by movie and breaks it down and is like, guys, you're ridiculous. This is not a thing. The Pixar theory should not exist. <laughs> so, I mean, I agree to some extent, but I'm not going to like basically yuck somebody's yum. If this is really something that they subscribe to, then by all means, you do you. But yeah, I... I don't think it was necessary for him to go through it that much. Yeah, he really, like, criticized it a lot in detail. Like, dude, stop with it already. It's pretty much what he was trying to trying to say, right? Yeah, I think it's like a 13-minute video of him basically destroying the Pixar theory. And, he's, and he was just, like, ranting on and on about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, you have any opinions on that video, Nelson? I'm more of the... On the side of letting people decide, you know, what they want to believe in. I find that fine. And 
I think the Pixar theory is just fun to think about, but I mean, there will be people that are more extreme and will curse, and that's what Bob Show here's doing, and I don't really promote him <laughs> for that, but I mean, I guess that's his opinion. Right. He's more of negatively vocal about it, but yeah, that's just his opinion, I guess. I, I agree with you guys. Like, if people want to believe that Pixar theory is real, just let them, right? But right. Bob Show is like one of those guys where it's like he sticks to his guns, right? So it's kind of what makes him a personality, what they call a personality. If he wants to believe that or he wants to try to sway people to his side, okay. You do you, man. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, talk about Dan Scanlon and Corey Ray. They had the most recent movie together, which was Onward. So what, what did you think about what they had to say? So this one was actually from this interview excerpt was from 2013. So the original release of the Pixar theory. Right. And it was an interview of them talking about Monsters U. And they were basically saying, yeah, somebody recently at the time explained it to them and they thought it was a funny idea and they thought that they would have to be insane geniuses to plot something like that out. Because like we've described over three episodes, it's it's a really detailed theory and it, it's evolved over time for real. But they both agree that it's not something that they talk about at Pixar, or at least they don't. And yeah, there's they can't deny that there's some things that connect, like the Easter eggs and the Luxo ball and Lotso being in Up. So they can't deny the existence of products being sold in the same movies and different movies. And there's connections, but yeah, they don't think that it's like a unifying theory where everything is connected in a, in a certain way. They also mentioned Disney Infinity, where it merges characters from different properties into one game. Yeah. And they said that it was pretty tastefully done where there are toys from different characters coming to life in one world. It's kind of like, a, you know, the sandbox thing where it's just you set up your world and you play with the different toys, which is yeah, pretty cool. I had that game when they were still producing it. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that. I had a lot of Star Wars figures, and it was really cool being able to play Inside Out and Star Wars and like having a Mulan figure and then playing with all of those different things and mixing it and making your own world. So I wish they still made that game. That's one way they can they put things together, but it's not the, the other, like the movies. That's not really what they intentionally did, right? Right. What do you think, Nelson? You, you have anything to add to this one? No. All right. The final naysayer we have here is from Jay Ward. He responds to the unified Pixar movie theory. Rissa, what did you think about what he had to say? I thought it was a hilarious interview. This one was, again, from 2013, so it was the original theory. And he he just basically said that a lot of people, so that somebody had a lot of time on their hands and they probably were doing some other recreational activities. Oh. So I, I was <laughs> laughing a lot about that. Whoa. He compared it to 9-11 conspiracy theories so what? he's like yeah he went to the extreme of saying no these movies were made in a different order by different directors in different times in different places so it's cool that it worked out that way but it was not intentional <laughs> and then he the person interviewing him says you realize everyone is going to just take this as proof when he called it the like the 9-11 conspiracy theories yeah he's like yeah <laughs> 
And then he's like, the, the fact that you're denying it means that the little girl from Monster Sync is the witch causing all these things. And he says, it was all thought out in the beginning. It was all Steve Jobs' master plan. It's all about selling the iPhone 6. <laughs> oh yeah. <my> it's <laughs> a hilarious, hilarious article interview. And I was like, yeah, I, I had to double check to make sure that this wasn't satire. <laughs> Just the way that it was written and the way he was holding himself. But yeah, I think that speaks volumes to how these creators think it's just a ridiculous thing but they don't want to ruin fans feelings on it unlike bob show oh man (laughs) yeah but these creators they're like go ahead make your theories but we're telling you it's not something that we intentionally did yeah that's what i mean they're saying it is direct from it's coming from the horse's mouth right right so we, we come down to the end of it and let's talk about our opinions rissa do you believe in the theory I probably have a similar feeling to Dan Scanlon, where I do believe that the movies are connected through the Easter eggs and that they're utilizing the same frames. Is But it's just like how Disney used to animate with when they were doing hand-drawn cells. Right. They would use the same backgrounds and they would use the same figures and, and different transitions just for efficiency purposes and so that it's cheaper and, and faster to produce the movie. But I don't think that it's connected in this type of complex way where, you know, Boo is is the center of the whole theory and is leaving Easter eggs throughout. No, I do believe that there are some movies that can be connected, but definitely not all of them. The theory is very unique and it really took a lot of effort and thought. So everybody that contributes to it, I really applaud you because it's a crazy, crazy theory. And I say to you, good luck with the more movies that they release. But yeah, I I don't think it's anything more than a coincidence because great minds do tend to think alike. And the way that Pixar operates and the way that they storyboard and function and they have a very like structured way that they make movies, I can see how, you know, they're trying to collaborate to make movies but that might just be the way that they're connecting it to some level all right and nelson do you believe in the theory i appreciate the time effort and creativity that was put into creating this theory but i do not believe in it i will admit that it's you know it's simply for fun and I mean, just to even go over it for and see the who, what, when, why, or why, all those different pieces and trying to put them together. It's basically kind of like our game of what if, right? Right. This whole theory. So, yeah, I, I think it's just nothing more than that. As we were discussing earlier, the leads and heads of Pixar themselves, they were just flat out saying no. <laughs> yeah. So that's, just... <laughs> that, that's proof enough for me. Yeah. And... <laughs> One big point that Mark Nielsen brought up in his interview is that, and I mean, even Rissa brought it up too, is that assets are from previous projects, they're they're used. Like they'll, they'll be brought back from past movies and reused for current ones. That's true for any movie. Right. Like in, in Hollywood, that's why there's back lots and warehouses of used props. That's right. They'll, you know, if something could be used again, they will. It'll save time and money. <laughs> I mean, they so. even use, if you go on a studio tour in Warner Brothers or Universal, right. they use actual set pieces in multiple movies. So mm-hmm. like in Princess Diaries 2, Genovia, you can actually see 
what you see on the Universal Studio Tour ride, that European front it's right. in that movie. <laughs> exactly. Just the sheer fact that it's done in real life. Just because Pixar is a digital movie animation studio, that doesn't mean that's any different. Right. So, yeah, it's like, yeah. Why, why take the time to create new assets when you can just pick one out from a file, right? Yeah, right. and I mean, you can change it a little bit, but the general assets already there. Why right. reinvent the wheel? Well, so. that's why there was that little hint of Bonnie being in the preschool too. Right, yep. Or not Bonnie, mm -hmm. um, Boo. Boo. Boo, yeah. Right. Anything else to add, Nelson? On no, that? that's, okay. uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I don't personally believe in it, but it's just something fun to think about. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you guys also. I don't believe that the theory is real, but the way that he makes the connections are, are pretty creative, and, and I, I give them an A for effort for putting that together. I know that Pixar does use a lot of Easter eggs, like they have the Pizza Planet truck, and they did throw a lot of different assets into <laughs> Toy Story 4, like we mentioned, and it gives something for people to talk about and for even having Pixar executives to talk about it too and give their point of view and actually debunk it and even go to lengths in making movies that debunk it, you know? I find that it actually adds to Pixar's legend. So, yeah, I don't believe in it, but it's fun. It's fun to talk about. Marissa, do you have anything to say in closing to our listeners? Yeah, I think it's it'll be interesting to see moving forward what John Negroni and the other contributors to the theory will do and how they'll handle future movies because it's clear that the creators in Pixar are trying to steer people away from the Pixar theory. I don't know why to be exact. It, maybe it's because they feel like it's detracting from the story they're actually trying to tell when people are so engrossed in trying to connect them they might be missing the point of the movie and i can see it that way too where if you take onward and you try so hard to make it work you actually lose the whole point of the movie which is you know brotherly love and and trying to find a way to see your dad and find closure from a loss that you encountered early on and i can also see how it it would hurt dan scanlon where it's basically his personal story and trying to fit that into a Pixar theory would detract from his own personal story, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'm really interested to see how the theory evolves in the future and whether they'll just finally say, okay, I I'm done. <laughs> we can't spin this anymore. The creators have said it's done. But maybe it's just going to add more fuel to the fire, the fact that they're challenging them, you know, giving them more things to fight. Cool, yeah. Definitely. How about you, Nelson? Anything you want to say in closing? Yeah, so I'm also quite interested to see where everything goes from now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Pixar will be releasing in the future. I mean, obviously, we have an immediate release coming out soon. Well, we all hope hopefully. it's soon. <laughs> they said November, so hopefully. Yeah, so Soul's the next one in the hopper. So we'll see what Soul has. And I'd be interested to see what uh, John comes up with or you know anyone else who contributes to the pixar theory and in all honesty i don't think the pixar theory is going to go away really i, I, just more, I honestly more fuel? think yeah i think there's just going to be there's always going to be people that want to constantly just connect it they're like challenge accepted yeah pretty much <laughs> i feel like there will always be people like that so 
and I'm perfectly fine with that. Like I said, and I keep saying, it's just, the Pixar theory is it's just fun to think and talk about. So it is, yeah. I hope it doesn't go away. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But again, I don't believe in it, but I still enjoy it regardless. So. You enjoy the debate. Yes, of course. <laughs> Give us some some more things to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have more content for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, it's interesting to see that the, how the theory has evolved, and every time they add a movie, how they try to connect it. But like Rizzo was saying, it's the people at Pixar really want you to focus on the actual story they're trying to tell, rather than connecting dots that they're not even connecting themselves, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, it, what do you guys think, listeners? Do you ascribe to the Pixar theory or are you like one of the naysayers? Or are you even like Bob Show where you try to get other people to say, no, it's not real? <laughs> so, yeah, let us know. Let us know. Rissa, you want to say anything to our listeners in closing? Yeah, I just want to thank you for hanging in there with us on our three-parter journey here through the Pixar theory. I hope you guys found it enjoyable and that you will continue to support us because we really, we really, really appreciate it, especially in these crazy times. So hopefully we're bringing some joy to you and that you're continuing to stay safe. Nelson, you want to say anything to our listeners? Yeah, thanks guys for joining us this week. And um, yeah, I think we, we, we did it, guys. Yeah. yeah we went over the Pixar theory. <laughs> it was daunting. Yeah. It's been in our mi- on our minds for quite a while, but yeah, we wanted to make sure that we had everything like comprehensive and yeah, just uh, a bit of effort to put it together. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and hope to hear and talk to you guys next week. So yeah, I also want to thank you listeners for tuning in to our three-parter on the Pixar theory. Uh, let us know your thoughts on it. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think? And stay tuned because, you know, we're going to have another multi-parter. So hopefully, hopefully (laughs) we're trying to map it out, (laughs) mapping out the next multi-parter for you guys. So tune in to our next episode next week. And on behalf of the other two, I'd like to say, keep your watches sync to Disney time. See ya. Bye. Later. (laughs) 